0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu podcast. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With the 2014 NFL Draft in the books, Larry D returns to take a look at this year's crop of new bears and see if our beloved are on the right track or if Phil Emery still has more work to do. Did the bears get the right players and did they get them at the right time? All of this and so much more on the 2014 Draft Review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. You know, they say everything happens for a reason. And uh, I would like to think that uh, there was a reason why I waited as long as I did to do the draft review show. And uh, today I was given a couple of reasons why that was a good thing. What's going on, everybody? Larry D back, the draft review show of the Chicago Bears review. And, um, you know, just to um, take care of a little show business before we go diving into some things here. Um, the. Uh, 2014, uh, preview episodes are upcoming. Uh, they'll be coming in June, uh, probably like early to mid June where we start to, uh, we start d- doing our previews of the teams that we're going to be facing, uh, this year. Usually I wait until about a week or two after the, uh, the official, uh, NFL magazines and start coming out the preview magazines, you know, listing everything and previewing all the teams, making their predictions, uh, and, and so on. So when I get some time to uh, to do my uh, my homework, I'll start cranking out those uh, episodes for you. We're gonna have the NFC South, the AFC East, and uh, obviously the NFC North with our same place. Uh, uh, opponents this year which uh, for us this year would be the 49ers uh, and the Cowboys both finishing second in their respective uh, divisions talking about our division this year is going to be very interesting a lot of changes uh, we had some uh, we had a new coach come into town we got a new starting quarterback in Minnesota lots of changes uh, a new head coach in Detroit and Jim Caldwell and uh, what I think might be going down uh, with them with uh you know the packers not going to be missing aaron rodgers uh i think you know preferably for them and at least for 8 9 games like they did uh last season you know if a team fully charged and ready to go uh week 1 and and so on so uh looking forward to doing those uh, episodes and those of course will be coming Uh, Throughout the summer and this year I want to have them done before the preseason starts so I got kind of got behind uh, last year where I was kind of still doing the preview episodes as the preseason was going on so I kind of want to have them at the latest done before training camp starts. Uh, in July so there may be some gaps in between the episodes a week here or two maybe at the most um, preferably I don't want to do that so maybe I just dedicate the month of June to doing the preview episodes or you know something like that but um, that's what's on the docket for us between now and training camp is those preview episodes talking about our upcoming opponents in 2014 uh, and so on so keep an eye out for that and as as always uh you know keep uh keep an eye on uh the Facebook page Chicago Bears Review on Facebook or the Twitter feed Shy Bears Review CHI Bears Review on Twitter for updates on upcoming episodes uh and so on. So we got lots to talk about. Uh we had an interesting draft uh last weekend or the week before I should say. Um you know and uh i have i have opinions and that's what this show is for for me to share those opinions with you guys and uh i think you'll find uh my opinion to be interesting and or at least i hope so i mean you listen to the show for some reason so we'll uh hopefully give you a justification uh for that today but first we have some some news and stuff to talk about so we're gonna have a little news and notes segment before we get to our draft review uh segment so uh Let's go ahead and talk about what our beloved have been up to. So I was at my barbershop today getting a little haircut and, uh, you know cleaning up the dome a bit and uh get a text message while i'm waiting my turn from my uh from my best friend uh fritz a also a diehard bear fan like myself uh and uh his text message read you know loving this front office taking care of things and uh, taking care of extensions uh you know before they become a problem and i was out of the house at the moment and my uh barber doesn't have cable in his uh in his shops, or you know, has one of those uh analog bo- or the digital boxes where you're receiving all the local channels and stuff on it, and they don't go breaking news for the Bears and that kind of thing. So, uh, I asked him what he was talking about, and then uh, the wonderful news that the Bears have extended Brandon Marshall for three years and 30 million dollars, uh, also kind of uh, tearing up the deal that he had. and. At, you know, including this season, this was going to be 2014 was going to be the last season he had on the contract that we inherited when we got him from Miami, um, a four year, $40 million deal total. So basically he's get a million dollar raise uh, for this season because he had one year and $9 million left. So he gets a million dollar raise this season. 30 million dollars over the next three seasons 23 million guaranteed uh in that time and so brandon marshall is going to be a chicago bear through the 2017 season and um you know that's some of the best news that i've heard in this entire offseason is that brandon marshall uh is locked up so now we can uh, so now we won't have to be trying to figure out how we're going to resign you know uh re-sign Brandon Marshall all while trying to possibly extend Alshon Jeffrey because this year is the last year that um, – well, not the last year of his rookie contract, but this is the last year before he can talk about an extension uh, – because of the cba rules you have to play three years under your rookie contract before you can uh renegotiate so we're probably going to be in uh, contract extension mode uh with Alshon sean jeffrey after this year is up of course if he has another season even close to the one that he just had uh, in 2013 then uh, that would be a no-brainer uh, for the bears to, uh, to to lock that up so i mean it's it's funny because all those years we had all that money lopped up in the um in the defense and it just seemed like we were doing the you know doing bargain basement style with the uh with the uh with the offense and not that we're not I mean we're definitely I think Emory is doing a better job of spreading the wealth throughout the uh throughout the football team I mean right now the offense is. you know, certainly making some bigger money with Jay Cutler. You know, eighteen million dollars a season and hundred twenty six million dollar contract. And Marshall now is going to be a ten million dollar man. Jerron Bushrod is seven eight million dollars a season. Martellus Bennett five six million dollars at, at tight end, uh, and so on. To go along with guys like Briggs and Allen, who are making six and eight million dollars. Uh, Lamar Houston five years thirty five million. So he's spreading it out a lot more than you know, Jerry Angelo ever did, where he's paying, you know, Julius Peppers $90 million, but, you know, we go out and get, you know, Brandon Lloyd, not that he wasn't a good player for us when he was healthy, but Brandon Lloyd for one year and $1 million uh, kind of thing, and expecting to get results that would take us back to the Super Bowl uh, and such. So I think Emory's doing a better job of spreading the wealth, having a balanced football team I mean obviously this year we got to improve on the defense but I think that's the message that he's sending that uh, you know we're not uh, this is not an all defense organization uh, anymore that we've got to do it on both sides to be successful uh, in this league and you know as I've been saying for going on three years now in Phil Emery I trust and you know I have some questions about this draft but you know he hasn't let us down yet, so we'll uh, we'll see how that uh, turns out. But uh, that was the big news today, and when I knew that it was perfect, the perfect time to uh, to finally get around to, to putting this show out for you guys to uh, to say, hey, you know Brandon Marshall, three years, thirty million, he's a bear until twenty seventeen. This is as good a news. This is as good as the news gets. You know, right here, a guy that has found a home in the NFL in Chicago. So, I mean, he was in Denver, I mean because he's been productive every single year of his career, every single season of his career of his career. He's been a productive elite level uh, receiver, but he was a problem child in Denver. He was a problem child in, in Miami and he's been nothing but a blessing for us here uh, in Chicago. And not only have has he been embraced by his teammates because he had Jay Cutler waiting for him here in Chicago but he's been embraced by the city and it'll be one of those things where you have to be reminded that he didn't play his entire career in Chicago. He was actually a Dolphin and a, and a and a Bronco before he became a Chicago Bear, but you'll only remember the Bear portion of his career. That's the kind of uh, you know, love affair that that Brandon Marshall has with the, you know, that's how much how passionate he is about being a Bear and all that kind of stuff. Um you know, God forbid Brandon Marshall, I mean, he's well on his way, does, you know, becomes a Hall of Fame receiver, you know, he'll be under that, uh, he'll be under the Bear umbrella, even though he played for these other two teams, he'll be in there as a Chicago Bear. That's the kind of, uh, that's how well this has worked out for Brandon Marshall and everyone else involved uh, when Phil Emery made that trade uh, to kick off the 2012 uh, free agency uh, period. So, Fantastic news, Brandon Marshall locked up. Now we just have to uh, get uh, Alshon Jeffrey locked up to keep these two monsters together for a while so we can have that one, two, three punch with uh, Marshall and Jeffrey and Bennett. And even, don't even forget, uh, we got Matt Forte coming out of the backfield uh, as well. So have some stability in keeping these core players on offense together is just as important as keeping a core de- together on the defensive side of the football. So one other thing that I wanted to touch on before we get into the review uh, of this year's draft was the fact that i uh, just sitting here watching the NFL Network and the players or I mean the owners meetings are about to take place uh, down uh, in Atlanta. And some of the things that are up for discussion, who's going to be hosting Super Bowl 52, um, talking about um where the where the draft uh may be held and i know uh, uh mayor emmanuel for chicago throwing his hat to to have chicago host the nfl draft uh, sometime in the future will the draft be held in late april again or are we going to have to wait until may there was even some talk during the draft time about the make pushing it even later like memorial day weekend or something like that for the for the draft which i think would be insane but uh You know, whatever. But um, the other thing, the most important, the one that raised the most eyebrows anyway, was the the realistic possibility of there being an expansion to the NFL playoffs and by expansion, not adding rounds or anything like that, but adding another team, just adding one to each side. So there's seven teams on each side, 14 altogether, still less than half the league. It's not extending the season at all. It's not adding any more weeks to the season or anything like that. We're just adding like one game each uh, to the wild card round because now only the f- only the number one seed would be getting a bye week, and so seeds two through seven would hash it out in the wild card round. The three teams that win would advance to the divisional round, where the one seed would play the lowest seed, two you know, and the the next highest seeds play each other uh, kind of thing. So it's a um, I think it's a great idea, and it really hit home when they were talking about it on the NFL Network because they were talking about the NFC because – the last two seasons, 2012 and 2013, there have been 10 and six teams that have had to watch the playoffs from the comfort of their own home. In 2013, the 10 and six Arizona Cardinals had the misfortune of playing in the same division with the 49ers and Seahawks. And even though they won 10 games under first-year coach uh, Bruce Arians, they did not make the playoffs. If they had, they would have been a seven seed playing at Carolina in the first round. And then, of course, it really hit home for 2012 and 2011. In both of those years, the Bears would have been the seventh seed. And ironically, both seasons they would have been playing at San Francisco, who was the two seed in each of those two uh, seasons. I mean, it may have not been a happy ending for us, but, you know, think about how different things may be now if those things had happened if there was a seventh seed in 2011 and 2012, Lovey Smith, instead of getting fired after a 10-6 season and not making the playoffs in 2011 or 2012, would be coming off three consecutive playoff seasons, 2010, 2011, 2012. And who knows what we would have been able to do uh, in, uh, in, in any of those, uh, seasons, uh, in 2011, we were an eight and eight team, but that's because we lost five straight after Jay Cutler was injured. Remember when Jay got hurt, we had won five games in a row, uh, when Jay Cutler had hurt and got hurt. And we were going into what many people consider to be the softest part of our schedule. We, we the last game he played was against the San Diego chargers. And it was the first of four straight games, against the AFC West, who at that point was a, uh, you know, we had the, the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Broncos after that. And the Broncos were a division champion at 8-8 eight and eight in 2012. So, I mean, this was the weakest division in football that year. And we had the whole division coming up, and we had beat what many people consider to be their best team in San Diego handily and had the other three teams coming up before Jay got hurt and we didn't win any of those football games, you know. And possibly Jay could have been back for the wild card round uh, if um – You know, maybe who knows? Because Matt Forte also got hurt, and you know he would have been out as well. I mean, things really started to pile up on us after we lost Jay in that round. But in 2011, as an eight and eight team, we would have been the seventh seed going to San Francisco in the wild card round, and who knows what it would have been? I can pretty much guarantee you we wouldn't have a new head coach, uh, or at least I don't think we would. uh, Anyway, Um, you know, I think Emory we may still have gotten rid of Jerry Angelo after 2011 but we would i think uh you know we'd still have lovey smith to contend with as our head coach which was all in all wasn't a bad thing and i think with phil emery in place folk you know having us to you know kind of divvy out the money like i was just talking about a minute ago to uh, even out where the money's going in the organization that um who knows? We may have Lovey and an offense all at the same time. So, we'll uh, you know it'd be interesting to, and it's an interesting scenario to look at because, like I said, instead of being fired after a ten and six season, not making the playoffs in twenty eleven or twenty twelve, if there was a seven seed, Lovey would have been coming off three consecutive playoff seasons. We'd probably actually even be talking about a contract extension uh, for Lovey. Uh, you know, instead of him uh, starting off a new regime in Tampa Bay. After sitting on his ass and making five million dollars last year, so it's uh, it's interesting to think about. But I absolutely think that it's a brilliant thing because it gives us it adds more competition. And they made an excellent point uh, on the NFL Network that um, you know with the level of football that we're getting in the postseason nowadays the level of parity that we're seeing in the league how competitive the playoffs have been i mean think back to 2010 the seattle seahawks won their division at with a losing record at seven and nine but were able to beat an 11 and five new orleans saints in the wild card round of the playoffs before losing to the bears um in chicago so i mean this is a team that even though they were seven and nine they were good enough to win their division and they won a playoff game So you never can tell. You never know. I mean, even though we all hate to talk about it, 2010, the sixth seed in the NFC, the Packers, won the Super Bowl that year. So the last team that got in won the whole thing. And that's the kind of thing we've seen. And we've actually seen that happen a couple of times uh, in the NFL uh, playoffs the last uh, couple of years. The Ravens in 2012 were a five seed when they went in to win the championship uh, over the um, 49ers uh, in 2012. So it's not something that can be discounted. I don't think it's diluting the field. We're still less than half the league uh, in there. I mean, we're getting close to closer to half the league, but it's 14 teams out of 32 instead of 12. And uh, like I said, I think it would make for some interesting matchups because arizona at carolina i think would have been an excellent game to see uh in the first round and who knows maybe if if carolina gets past arizona in the first round then you have a battle tested you know panthers team in that game with the 49ers or you know whoever they ended up would have ended up playing uh in that second round but um i I love the possibilities that it opens up and also that uh you know, like I said, it really hit home seeing the Bears up there, 2012, 2011, would have been playoff teams both seasons, you know, and go back and listen to the show if you still have them, and think about, um, you know, the what ifs that we were talking about at the end of 2011 and 2012, that the potential this team had, blah, 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 if we did going to make the playoffs, who knows what would have happened, you know, there it was right there, we would have been in if there was a seventh team in each conference, so, All right. I think that's plenty uh, for now. So what do you say we go ahead and dive right in to the reason that we're all here today? The review of the 2014 Chicago Bear draft. You know, I think like many NFL fans, I have a love-hate relationship with the draft. Um, it's something that I look forward to every single year. It's it's must-see TV for me every single year. I just don't know how I feel about it being a Thursday, Friday, Saturday affair as opposed to the good old-fashioned Saturday, Sunday uh, NFL draft days that we used to uh to get uh, and maybe i'm just old school on that but uh you know i i'm not really a big fan of the prime time on thursday even though it's been a huge success uh for the nfl and i and i think it actually in, in my my humble opinion uh that it just kind of shows off the the arrogance of the nfl that they could you know have it on prime time on a thursday and they know they know that we as fans were coming we're going to watch it so because it's the first real taste of nfl that most of us are going to get uh you know and it's exciting to find out who the players are going to be there's always that drama of the player that ends up dropping and this year it was johnny Manziel, uh and just the fact of uh you know who's my team going to take, what's my team going to look like after these next couple of days, uh, and so on. So, But I just think it's, uh, you know, for me it's kind of anticlimactic to just have the one round on Thursday night and then have rounds two and three and, you know, uh, and so on. I'm, I'm, I've just never been a big fan of the whole uh, primetime draft thing, you know, it's not really – not really been a fan of it, but it is what it is, and uh, the draft, like I said, had its drama and had its moments, you know uh, lots of trades and so on and and you see a lot more trades now because it's not going to it might cost you picks because there are plenty of trades that cost picks and uh you know next year's first round draft choice and all the rest of that kind of stuff. but what's more important, well, I guess i don't know it'd be an argument on what's more important, but it's not costing. Tens of millions of dollars to go from the ninth spot to the fourth spot, you know, it's talking as far as how much you're going to it's going to cost you to sign that player with the CBA and the rookie uh, salary cap and and so on, you know, it. If you really want the player, yeah, it's going to cost you draft choices, but it's not going to break the bank for you like it would uh, in the past. So like when Sam Bradford was the last number one pick to to kind of be unrestricted, signing like a $70 million contract with the Rams before he took a snap and getting paid like an elite quarterback when he hasn't proven himself to be one. So, um, you know, that's no longer a risk that most NFL teams have to take nowadays And while they may have to uh, kind of mortgage their future a little as far as uh, surrendering some draft picks to move from one spot to the next uh, and so on, the bigger picture being that, uh, you know, like I said, it's not going to break your bank to go up. And uh, well, you know, like I've been talking about from the, the Buffalo Bills went from the ninth spot in the first round and traded up to number four to take Sammy Watkins from Clemson. It uh, cost them a first-rounder. Uh, it cost them, you know, they swap picks, so they go from Cleveland was number four. They get the, the number nine pick, and they get a first-rounder in 2015 and a fourth-rounder in 2014, 15. So they, they surrender two of their picks for next year and, you know, uh, move up to get Sammy Watkins uh, in, in the first round. So, I mean, that was like one of the first big moves uh, that was made, the first trade. Uh, that took place to um, you know but it's not going to cost them an extra 30 million dollars to move up from number nine to number four uh, as far as uh, money uh, is concerned so the financial risk isn't what it used to be uh, in the NFL draft but um, you know of course uh, you know kicking things off with the, the Texans Taking Jadavian Clowney in the first round, the defensive end for South Carolina. Uh, the Rams took Greg Robinson, and we'll be talking about the Rams a little bit later on uh, as we go through this. Uh, uh, Greg Robinson, the tackle from Auburn, at number two. That's the pick they got from the from the Redskins in the RG three trade. Uh, the last uh, pick that they'll be able to enjoy. Uh, Jacksonville takes the first quarterback off the board, Blake Bortles. Uh, there was uh, a lot of rumor that he may go number one to Houston and. Uh, You know, he might, uh, you know, Cleveland might draft him at number four and all that kind of stuff. He ends up going to Jacksonville at number three. The Sammy Watkins trade moved Buffalo up from number nine to number four uh, to take him out of uh, Clemson. Uh, Khalil Mack, the linebacker from Buffalo, taken by the uh, Raiders. Uh, Jake Matthews, the second offensive tackle off the board, number six to the Falcons. Mike Evans goes to Lovey Smith and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the wide receiver out of Texas A&M. So you got Mike Evans and. Um, oh, I'm rusty. The receiver, uh, Vincent Jackson. There you go. Vincent Jackson, Mike Evans, the bookends down there in, uh in Tampa Bay with uh, Josh McCown, who's you know probably going to be you know like oh this looks familiar i've got two very tall receivers in vincent jackson and uh you know mike evans whereas i just left chicago with brandon marshall alison jeffrey also and that tower of a monster at tight end and martellus bennett so uh josh mccown probably a very happy guy down there in tampa uh number eight was um was minnesota they swap picks with With uh, the Browns, the Browns go from 9 to 8 to take Justin Gilbert, the corner out of Oklahoma State. Uh, Anthony Barr was number 9 to Minnesota, so that's going to be the the pass rusher, or at least that's how they were describing it uh, during the draft. Anthony Barr, uh, an outside linebacker uh, at UCLA, may be the uh, pass rusher uh, for the Minnesota Vikings to replace uh, Jared Allen, who of course wears the blue and orange now. Uh, The Lions, instead of taking a safety or a corner to help their secondary against guys like uh, Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey and, you know, so on, um, decided to go with the tight end Eric Ebron uh, out of Detroit. So uh, it's kind of a rich getting richer as far as the offense is concerned. Uh, You know, Jim Caldwell's first pick was well I mean Caldwell's an offensive coach so I guess it's not too big a surprise but he goes with offense instead of defense uh in the uh in the first round there uh Taylor Lewin offensive tackle from Michigan goes to Tennessee at number 11 Odell Beckham at number 12 goes to the Giants uh the wide receiver from uh LSU and I was getting more and more excited at this point because the Giants uh number seven with lovey and the buccaneers was the first place that we were in danger of not being able to choose aaron donald the defensive tackle from pittsburgh you guys heard that's the guy that i wanted he was the one uh that i thought that the bears would you know should go out and get and you know in the mock drafts it was tampa bay and then if it wasn't tampa bay then maybe it was the giants at 12 you know they could use some interior defensive line help when they took odell Beckham Jr. At, uh, at number 12, the wide receiver, I thought we were home free. I was like, the Lions are probably, or excuse me, the Rams, uh, you know, probably take a, a, a wide receiver or something like that. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's still a couple of, uh, you know, good ones still on the board uh, and everything, but I actually think the Giants may have hurt us by taking Odell Beckham, and uh, maybe that's the guy that uh, the Rams were looking at before. The Giants picked him because at 13, even though they already had three first-round picks on their defensive line, they added Aaron Donald at number 13 uh, to have all four of their starters up front. Uh, Chris Long, Chris Long uh, Robert Quinn, uh, Michael Brockers, and now Aaron Donald. All first-round picks from the last, I think we're only talking like four out of the last six years on that defensive line, and robbing the Bears of the chance to take him in the first round. Now, you know, the Bears were at 14, and there was rumor that, or, you know, speculation or stories or whatever coming out saying that uh, everyone in, in the war room thought that the uh, the Bears might be trading down until Phil Emery announced to the room, we're not going anywhere. So we're not trading down, you know, and that leads me to believe that had Aaron Donald made it past the Rams, he would have been our pick. But instead of getting the uh, the young tackle from Pittsburgh, the Bears still had choices. And anyone who follows me on Facebook would have known that Aaron Donald was number one on my three-person wish list, but number two and number three were still available at that point. Number two was Calvin Pryor, the safety from Louisville, and number three was C.J. Mosley, the linebacker from Alabama. And... Um, Leave it to our beloved to when they are presented with A, B, or C to take option D. None of the above and instead drafted Kyle Fuller, cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Now, I know Kyle Fuller is an outstanding player. He was the second cornerback taken in the draft. And from all of my studies, it was between him and Gilbert that was taken by the the Cleveland Browns at number eight between him and Gilbert as far as the arguments between the pundits, if you will, as to who the best corner in this draft was. Some of them said it was Fuller. Some of them said it was Gilbert. But there was a consensus that those guys were pretty much one and two uh, as far as the the, the experts uh, were concerned. So I didn't necessarily have a problem with the player that we got. But I had a huge problem with the position that we went with in that round now i I didn't want the bears to reach for another defensive tackle because there really wasn't anybody out there that i thought was worth taking at 14 so if we were thinking defensive line then trading down was definitely the best way to go about it acquire some extra picks uh and so on but if we were going to stay at 14 calvin Pryor was still there hell that moron with the funny name haha clinton Dix was still there as well. So the two best safeties were still on the board at the time in a a weak safety draft, okay? This was a draft that that after you got past like the first four or five guys, there was a huge drop-off in talent level. Uh, And that's what was being said in in all three of the draft magazines that I read uh, in watching past the draft on on the NFL network uh, and so on. after you got first past that first handful of guys, there was a huge drop off from the first level to the second. But this was a talent, talent, rich, deep cornerback draft. There was talent to be had in the second, third and maybe even in the fourth round, if, you know, depending on how the picks fell. To get a corner in those later rounds, so with Pryor and Clinton Dix still sitting there, hell, even Jimmy Ward for Northern Illinois, I mean, it would have been a reach to take him at 14, but he actually went in the bottom of the first round to the 49ers at 31, or was it 30? No, it was 31. No, 30. I'm sorry, it was 30. So, but um, you know, it was uh, actually it was a little higher than that. Doesn't matter. Anyway, um, it was uh, you know hard to to see that we went with the cornerback when we there were cornerbacks to be had in the second and third rounds, and um, you know. But like I said, in Phil Emery, we trust. Like I said, I didn't ha- I don't have a problem with the player that we got. I mean, we got a good player. You know, he was, uh, you know, not the consensus top pick uh, as far as cornerbacks are concerned, but he was definitely in the discussion to be the top one. And, uh, you know, listening to Emery in the press conference talk about this kid, uh, you know, rangy player. He's got the, the long arms. So, you know, he'll come right in and he'll be our starting nickel uh, corner. Uh, you know the kind of guy that uh, would be able to cover slot receivers and tight ends. So I mean, it's uh, that's going to be important, especially with with the um, the Lions taking Eric Ebron, who was a Jimmy Graham clone uh, kind of guy that uh, he'll be able to do that. So, uh, you know, the, the, the book on him, as I'm reading it, uh, Physical Demeanor with Good Length, Playing with Excellent Toughness and Energy as if he were 25 pounds thicker. So, I mean, he's 6 feet tall, 194 pounds, so right at the 200-pound mark, maybe add another 10 pounds or so of muscle just to, you know, pad him up a little bit. Uh, good vertical leap, smooth hip action, flip and go, smart route recognition, and outstanding read and react quickness to react or plant and drive to the attack. So he's he's good with uh, with the reactions. Studies receiver and does his homework to know what to do without to know what to look for without hesitation. You know and has a physical presence in run support, which any Bear fan would know. Run support would probably to be the primary focus of this year's draft because we got murdered on the run. Even though the play that absolutely killed us this year was a passing play, um, you know it's the run defense that we really needed. Our our help, So he's got experience at lining up in the slot, using his frame to penetrate the backfield as a blitzer, which is hopefully something that I see Mel Tucker adding to his defense this year, mixing it up a little bit more because it's going to be more Mel Tucker than Lovey Smith this year, that's for sure. Uh, so that's that's, uh, you know, something that uh, we can definitely look forward to. There, uh, playing outside and possibly at safety uh, in college. He spent some time at safety as well. A four-year starter with productive numbers at Virginia Tech. So this is, uh, you know, like I said, we got a solid player. Like I said, not unhappy with the player we got, just unhappy with the fact that we went with a corner in the first round when there were corners to be had later on. And, you know, safety was probably a, a much bigger concern than corner was going into the um, into the draft I mean, because let's be honest folks even with peanut tillman's um injury history the last couple of seasons with peanut on one side and tim jennings on the other corner could have waited until next year push comes to shove but safety was something that needed to be addressed and we didn't go out and get uh a tj ward uh in free agency how we didn't even get an antoine bethe from indianapolis Uh, you know, in free agency. We didn't address it in free agency, or at least not with a bona fide starter because it's still up in the air who our starters at safety are going to be. Um, You know, with the guys that we signed, M.D. Jennings, uh, you know, Randy Mundy from the, you know, New York Giants. These aren't guys that are just going to these aren't plug-and-play guys we didn't spend the money to go out and do that so you would have thought that if Aaron Donald's not there I mean even if he was maybe you know an argument could be made that it would be you know a better idea to go with the safety than a corner or a defensive tackle there in the first round but uh, we didn't do either and uh, we'll have to sit and wait and see what the consequences of that decision uh, will be going forward hopefully the price isn't too steep uh, for us as uh, bear fans. And so but that was that was the drama going in. Like you know we, we cleared the first hurdle with Tampa Bay because Lovey might add another uh, you know three technique tackle to his you know his cover two uh, defense. and uh, then the, the Giants were thought to be the, the last real obstacle between Aaron Donald and Chicago. and then the last pick, which was thought to be a formality uh, to be able to get him, ended up being the dagger for us in the Rams taking Aaron Donald when they didn't really need him so that was the you know excitement if you will uh in the first round or at least it was for for this bear fan uh anyway and uh for those of you interested uh my number three guy on my wish list CJ Mosley went at 17 to the Baltimore Ravens and number nine number 18 uh to the Jets, uh, well, actually they went in the same consecutive picks, Mosley at 17 to the Ravens, Calvin Pryor the safety went to the uh, Jets at uh, 18 so we actually get to see uh, Calvin Pryor uh, week 3 on Monday Night Football um, when we play the Jets and um, for anyone interested HaHa ha Clinton Dix is somebody we get to see twice a year for probably the next decade uh, because he went to Green Bay uh in in the latter half of the uh the first round so the other interesting thing was in the um the bottom of the first round the uh the um vikings traded back into the bottom of the first round trading with the seahawks uh giving up a second and a fourth round pick in this year's draft the 2014 draft to to add a second first round pick they had um Anthony Barr at number nine uh, in the top ten, and they drafted Teddy Bridgewater out of Louisville with that 32nd pick. So the last pick in the first round, the last pick of day one, uh, was the quarterback, and word around the campfires that he's going to be the starter uh, going in. So that's uh, you know, what we have to look forward to going forward is Teddy Bridgewater, who in the beginning was being rumored as the number one pick in the draft, falls because of that bad pro day that he had and falls right into our lap as somebody that we have to face uh for the first part of his uh career so uh, in the second round, this is where things were interesting because we took that corner in the first round, not really addressing either of the two biggest needs on the team, which was safety and defensive tackle. And then uh, right around pick 37, there was this, uh, you know, kind of, you know, actually it was a little bit later on in the in the, in the the draft, but 37, uh, Rashid Hageman, who had been rumored to be going to the Bears in the first round, uh, he was taken uh, at number 37 by the Falcons then uh, other uh, t- targets uh, for us defensive and Stephen Tewitt, um, who in you know like the magazine that I ended up buying for a draft preview Stephen Tuitt, we had had us from defensive and from Notre Dame had us taking him uh, Timmy Jernigan from Florida State um, who was who in many of the mock drafts in the early going was the Bears pick at 14, falls to 48 uh, to the Ravens before the Bears had a chance to pick at 51, taking defensive tackle Ego Ferguson from LSU. So that was the pick that we went with uh, in the second round ferguson a three six three 309 pound defensive tackle uh was only a one-year starter uh, at lsu but um you know tall well-built frame well proportioned bulk from head to toe flexible body type uh controls his momentum well when he stays low with impressive change of direction skills for a size long arms quick hands and strong limbs to, to press and lock out so um, you know, sounds like he could be good against the uh, the run, as far as shedding blocks to, to to you know to get the tackles. Good vision and awareness, uh, quick read and react instincts, not easily fooled. Something else that we could use as well in those counter plays. Uh, quick off the snap with with uh, foot quickness and chase and make plays away from the line of scrimmage. Improved block anticipation and instincts, elevating well at the line of scrimmage. So. He holds the point of attack well with his aggressive demeanor, playing with a chip on his shoulder, good work ethic off the field, adding 40 pounds of good weight since enrolling at LSU. So he he came in at about 260, and in his four years at LSU, added 40 pounds of the good kind of weight, the the muscle uh, and such. So kudos to the strength and conditioning program at LSU uh, as far as that goes. So... You know, the, the couple of guys that, uh, you know, and this is kind of where the Bears, if, if um, where the Bears kind of got screwed by the way that they finished their season at eight and eight, because there was a cluster of about five or six teams that finished eight and eight. And in the first round, the Bears got the first pick in that group at 14. But in the second round, they got pick number 19. So they went to the back of the line uh, as far and, you know, and they kind of like snake their way back, you know, towards the towards the front. But if the Bears had been able to stay at 14, they would have been able to get Timmy Jernigan uh, because instead of picking at 51, they'd have been picking at like 46 instead which is you know and timmy jernigan went at 48 so he would have been there uh, for the bears uh, to take him and i would have been very happy with that a first round level talent falling to us in the second round i think would have been a great thing but because of that rotational thing because all of the teams finished in the same spot um, the bears benefited in the first round but were basically screwed in the second round and then we're trying to build their way back up because it was the 19th pick in the second in the second round 18th pick in the in the third round 17th pick in the fourth round, you know and so on so um you know but that uh was kind of how it worked out uh it worked against the bears in the second round that uh they fell past the spot where they could have gotten timmy Jernigan if they'd have been able to hold firm in the spot that they were uh so no other real big surprises in the second round other than the defensive tackles that we were kind of hoping to fall to us started uh, going off the board before it came time for us to uh, to make our uh, make our pick uh, then in the third round um, let's see anybody else making any interesting choices? no not really. so um, then we go into the into the third round. And, um, you know, now we're getting into some of the uh, lesser names as far as, you know, household and, you know, people knowing who they who they are and such. And then comes time for the Bears to pick again at 82. Uh, And this was interesting because at 82, when the Bears were were picking, they had a chance. They had a shot at a quote unquote household guy because defensive tackle Lewis Nix from Notre Dame who also in some mock drafts was the pick for the bears at 14 was still available he was still there at 82 and the bears instead took will sutton a defensive tackle from arizona state lewis Nix went one pick later to the houston texans at 83 um we'll see how history treats that decision but uh you know i was like oh man you know, Lewis Nix still on the board. Here they are. You know, here the Bears are picking again. I was like, but you know, and I thought that you know, well, I guess th- they are not going to take another defensive tackle, are they? Well, sure enough, they did, and instead they go with Will Sutton from Arizona State instead of taking Lewis Nix uh, from Notre Dame. And like I said, time will tell if that ends up being a good decision uh, for us, but. Will Sutton is one of those guys that maybe if he had come out last year, he would have been a much higher draft choice than being taken in the, you know the the, the middle of the third round. Six one, three hundred fifteen pounds, or at least that was his playing weight last year. Uh, this was a guy that that seemed to have slowed down a bit uh, in his senior season in twenty thirteen. Because of scouting reports that he'd heard after his junior season uh, where he had I think like 11 sacks or something like that as a defensive tackle uh, his junior year was being told that he wasn't big enough. Uh, to be a defensive tackle uh, in the NFL when he was playing at about 285-290 uh, his junior year, so he adds on 20-25 pounds played over 300, you know, 315 at Arizona State, and it really seemed to slow him down. Now he says that he's already down to 295 pounds, and that is uh, where Emory. Says that he wants him to play in that uh, you know two ninety two eighty to two ninety uh, area for a defensive tackle. So you know we may be getting the junior year Will Sutton, uh, who's got something to prove because that uh, that weight that extra weight slowed him down and uh, made him kind of a middle of the road guy. Even though he was he was a twenty twelve All American and the Pac twelve Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, you know with his um, 20 and a half sacks over his career uh, at Arizona State and I think they said he had 11 of them 11 or 12 of them in his junior season and um, in 2013 I think he only had maybe four or five because of the extra weight and and some seemed to slow him down uh, a little bit but uh, this could be our diamond in the rough pick If, uh, you know, we get a guy that had first round talent but was uh, hindered by uh, by by listening to the scouts, if you will, that hurt him in 2013. So anyway, uh, moving on to the fourth round, uh, the 17th pick in the fourth round, the Bears go offense uh, for the first time in the draft, taking running back Kadeem Carey uh, from the University of Arizona. Of course, uh, Lance Brig, a former Wildcat wild kids is evanston where i went to high school sorry um the wild cats from arizona 5'9 207 pound running back it says muscle up athlete with good instincts light feet good leg drive now one of the big cons for him was his speed i think he only ran maybe a four four seven or something like that in the uh at the combine so his 40 time was not impressive but um they just finished the, the rookie, uh, rookie minicamp over the weekend, and he got rave reviews uh, for, uh, you know, for his abilities and, you know, the flashes that he was showing, even in the no pads, no contact kind of uh, situation. Um, you know, Michael Wright, uh, one of the beat writers for the Bears, uh, made the comment that, uh, yeah, Kadeem Carey, he doesn't look slow at all so uh you know it just could be one of those things where you know he doesn't run a good 40 time but uh you know on the field nobody can catch him and another guy who had a uh who had an opinion uh, like that coming into the draft even though this is a huge leap from one to the other but you know something that I heard the same thing about was uh, Jerry Rice who didn't run an elite 40 time but on the field nobody could run the guy down and you know not saying that Kadim Carey is going to be the next Jerry Rice or anything like that but that's one of those things where there's a difference between forty speed and football speed so you know it's like you're only you're only as fast as the guy chasing you i guess they could you you could say so maybe that's what the deal is for uh Kadim Carey uh you know he can run faster when there's fast people chasing him but uh when it's a fat defensive lineman or something doesn't need to uh, exactly break out the four or five speed. You know what I mean? So, but uh, there have been a lot of comparisons. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw was one of those things. Uh, he cannot not miss a game. Carey uh, did not miss a game due to injury at Arizona and he possess, uh, possesses far more lateral agility and wild potential than Bradshaw. So, uh, you know, hopefully we get somebody like Ahmad Bradshaw who was very good when he was with the Giants uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Then uh, in a surprise move, uh, the Bears traded back into the fourth round. We gave up our fifth round pick this year and our fifth round next year to trade with the Broncos to move back into the draft to take Brock Vereen, a safety uh, from Minnesota. Now, if the name sounds familiar, it's because his older brother, Shane Vereen, was a second round pick for the Patriots in 2011. So he's been playing football for the Patriots uh, the last couple of seasons. And Todd McShay says that this was the best pick made by an NFC North team. This was his favorite pick by the Bears, the Packers, the Lions, or the Vikings. His favorite pick in the whole draft was the Bears taking Brock Vereen in the fourth round. So, you know, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, those are like one and two, you know, with Mike Mayock up there as far as that goes. Mike Mayock, big, big fan of this pick uh, as well. Good size athlete, six feet, 200 pounds, uh, from Minnesota, so it's uh, you know, who knows? Maybe this kid will be a starter for us, or you know, we'll see. But uh, you know, give me Brock Vereen or Calvin Pryor. I, I would have preferred Calvin Pryor, and then you know, seeing about corners at the Brock Vereen spots or something like that instead of taking take finally taking a safety in the fourth round. Uh, so no fifth round pick. Uh, the Bears in the sixth round. Then um, Phil Emery kind of eating his own words there, said that the Bears weren't interested in the development developmental quarterback, like he doesn't uh, he doesn't subscribe to that belief. Takes a quarterback in the sixth round. David Fails, the quarterback from San Jose State, 6'2", 212 pounds. He'll be sporting Josh McQuown's number 12 uh, this year. Um, let's see, good for work, bottom half always stays and appears in sync. Uh, quick eye sees the field well, balanced passer with quick setup and snap. Delivery, good arm strength, but not great. That's also kind of the beat on McCown as well. good build, very good toughness, uh, bouncing up after hits. Terrific accuracy, almost 73% uh, completion rate. Um, ambitions, a- ambitious and coachable with a strong work ethic. So he'll be challenging for that third quarterback spot on the roster behind Jordan Palmer. He'll be competing with Gerard Johnson, who was a quarterback on our practice squad uh, last year out of Texas A&M. Uh, then with our second pick in the sixth round that the the David fails pick was actually the pick that we got for Gabe Karimi uh, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so David fails we take him then with our pick in the in the sixth round the 15th pick see so yeah, how we're moving back up we went from 19 in the second round 18 in the third 17 you know, and so on, uh, to the 15th pick uh, in the fifth, in the sixth round, we took punter Pat O'Donnell to replace uh, Adam Podlesch, uh, who is uh, now with the um, Pittsburgh Steelers, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, very good leg strength to drive the ball, and, and I heard that um, there were only maybe a handful of punts all day Michael Wright, I follow him on Twitter. I think he said that all day there were only maybe four or five punts throughout the entire practice that uh, O'Donnell didn't punt into the ceiling at the Walter Payton Center where the Bears were practicing uh, indoors, and then somebody made the joke that uh, the Bears had uh, called the FAA to declare the practice field a no-fly zone because Pat O'Donnell might kill an airplane with the footballs that he's punting into the air. So um Hopefully he'll live up to that when there's live people trying to block the punts uh, and so on. Uh, But it says he was an experienced four-year starter, handles kickoffs, and served as a holder on PATs, dedicated to his craft, and the game is important to him. So there you go. And I've also seen the guy. He's got a pretty impressive physique, so he's in great shape uh, as well. Uh, Bottom line for him was outstanding size, right-footed, two-step punter, Um, transferred around trying to find his... uh, trying to find a home in college football. He went to Cincinnati, and he transferred to Miami. University of Miami is where he ended up. Has the length strength to compete for a job. Must continue to hone and control and improve his directional punting. So, And then in the seventh round, which was the other pick that we got from the Broncos when we made that trade uh, to get back into the fourth round for Brock Marine, we took offensive tackle Charles Leno Jr. Uh, from Boise State. Uh, 6'4", 303 pounds, long arm, wide stance, nimble feet. Uh, Nice job squaring his shoulders with proper eye use to track the mirror. Understands body angles and good patience and eye discipline. Uh, Positive attitude on and off the field, tough and durable, with versatile starting experience at both right and left tackle. So starting every game the past three seasons for the uh, Boise State uh, Broncos. Now, one thing that I noticed... And one thing that you can probably go back and look at the, um, the drafts for Jerry Angelo and Lovey Smith was that the list of the schools that our players are coming from, Virginia Tech, LSU, Arizona State, Arizona, Minnesota, uh, San Jose, my, the University of Miami, Boise State. Now, aside from San Jose State, which is in one of those mid-level conferences, it's still a Division One program. Um, all of these players are coming from big conference schools: the ACC, the SEC, uh, the Big Ten, from Minnesota, uh, and so on. Instead of Jerry Angelo and uh, Lovey Smith's love and desire to go after those one AA gems from Abilene christian or you know to pick this school you've never heard of before you know those were the kind of players that filled the bottom half of our draft and and so on we're always keen on on trying to find the next jerry you know because and i keep going back to jerry rice went to mississippi valley state as a one double a player walter payton jackson state was a one double a uh school uh you know they kept trying to find guys like that to kind of uh you know and in, in almost a way to be able to say, like, yeah, well, I picked that guy. That's who I took. So, But um, an interesting draft class that we had with two offensive players. Uh, we got a punter, and the rest was all defense. Uh, three offensive players, sorry. We got the offensive tackle, the quarterback, and the running back. And then we got uh, a cornerback, two tackles, and a safety on the defensive side. And I guess you can also include the punter on the defense. So that's essentially what they do is they play defense. Um, so like I said, interesting, um, you know, I think, it, you know, we'll have to wait and see uh, as far as the, the Lewis, the, the will, the will Sutton versus, uh, you know, uh, Lewis Nix uh, pick in the, uh, in the third round, we could have gotten a first level guy and first round guy in the third round, but, um, you know, either way, we we drafted for need. We got a safety, we got a corner, we got defensive tackle helps, we got a punter. We needed a punter, and then the quarterback and the, the offensive tackle almost seemed like luxury picks uh, to me. Then things got really interesting with our undrafted free agents, and I'm trying to sum this up because I see them kind of running long here. Um, the two names that really stuck out for me on this list, the first one was Christian Jones, a linebacker out of Florida State, who was listed in my uh, the draft magazine that I bought as a second or third-round pick, went undrafted. And it, it ended up being because of a, a diluted urine sample that he submitted at the um at the NFL combine. So he didn't uh you know, forgive my language, he didn't piss hot or anything. He didn't have an illegal um like he didn't have any substances, but a diluted sample means that it was tampered with, therefore, you know, you were possibly trying to hide something and that does not you know, obviously that goes as a mark against him, but He was a second, third-round pick in a lot of people's minds, and he was an undrafted free agent, and he was coming to the Bears. The other one that really stuck out, he even made the cover of the, you know, the cover that I made for this episode, Jordan Lynch, the quarterback from Northern Illinois, the number three, he was voted third on the the Heisman voting uh, in 2013, is actually coming to the Bears to play running back. Uh, He wore jersey number 36 and was taking handoffs and catching passes out of the backfield uh, during the rookie minicamp. And he was actually impressing a lot of people. Mark Trestman was saying that, uh, you know, he's a football player for sure. You know, he's not just the quarterback, but, uh, you know, this is a guy at, at Northern Illinois that passed for like 20, you know, over 2000 yards and ran for like 1900 yards this past season. I mean, he basically won football games all by himself out there at uh, Northern Illinois he was an impressive player uh, to watch had an outstanding record like, t- you know, like 24 and four. Uh, the last couple seasons as the quarterback for for Northern Illinois took him to that uh, Orange Bowl a couple years ago against the against Florida State where they got pasted uh, in that game, but uh, was able to 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 take Northern Illinois to get a higher enough ranking to play in a BCS game, and. Um you know, he was the quarterback uh on that team. So he's got outstanding agility and um they said he, he didn't look out of out of place or you know or out of character or anything, uh taking handoffs and uh you know, being a running back in that uh in that rookie minicamp. So maybe that's something that we can look forward to uh down the line. Uh I mean also don't forget he's a quarterback or he was. So uh can't discount the fact that uh you know maybe there's some wildcat formations we can run with this guy, or you know can never discount the the whole uh you know running back pass uh, kind of thing uh down the future and And then the other really interesting one that i that I read later on that people were very high on a guard from Wisconsin named Ryan Groy, uh with terrific size, very smart football player, big durable blue collar guard who generally effective. Despite lacking exceptional physical traits as a starter, he's the type you look to replace, but could be serviceable backup in the slide and protection scheme, so he could help us add depth uh, to the uh, to the offensive line uh, going forward. Other players we signed: James Dunbar, a tackle from TCU; uh, Brandon Dunn, a defensive tackle from Louisville; uh, D.D. Lattimore, a linebacker from South Florida; uh, Tana Patrick, a linebacker from Alabama; uh, Lee Pegasus, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name. Uh, from East Carolina, defensive tackle, and then Cody Booth from Temple, who was actually a tight end for the first three years of his career, then moved to offensive tackle his senior season and uh, was uh, good enough to get a look from an NFL team at uh, at uh, left tackle. So he's uh, a former tight end playing tackle, Cody Booth from, uh, from Temple uh, University. So those are the undrafted free agents and the picks. Uh, that the Bears uh, took and then the last thing I want to talk about before I let you guys go was that I was online looking and somebody posted a you know possible 53-man roster uh, for the Bears like this is you know like what we have right here right now this could possibly be the team that the Bears take uh, you know to Soldier Field week one against the Buffalo Bills Uh, Obviously, our quarterbacks, Jake Cutler, Jordan Palmer, one and two, and then David Fales, the rookie at three. Uh, The running backs, Matt Forte, Kadeem Carey, uh, Michael Ford, Jordan Lynch making the team probably more as a special teamer than anything. And our fullback, Tony Fiametta. Uh, wide receivers, Marshall and Jeffrey, Marquez Wilson, and then the free agents that we signed, Josh Morgan, we signed him away from the Redskins, and Dominic Hickson, who made his name with the Giants but was with the Panthers last year. Our tight ends, Martellus Bennett, Dante Rosario, uh, offensive line, no surprises here. Bushrod, Slauson, Garza, Kyle Long, and Jordan Mills. And then our backups with the center that we signed, Brian De La Puente, Eben Britton. That's those are slam dunk locks right there. And then Ryan Groy, the guy that I just told you about, the uh offensive uh, guard the undrafted rookie free agent uh james brown and joe long also uh making it as uh, 10 offensive linemen they had us keeping i wonder how many of those like probably somebody like groy and and maybe a joe long or somebody would probably be practice squad players uh, for us and then um on the defensive side, the defensive line is the only place that I had any issues with this uh, because the, the ones that they put on the list, Lamar Houston, Jared Allen, Willie Young, all those the three free agents that we signed, Ego Ferguson and Will Sutton, the true, the true rookies that we drafted, Nate Collins and Steven Paya, who are holdovers from last year, David Bass, also a holdover, and Cornelius Washington, who was a sixth-round pick last year or the year before, uh, one of the two. Notice the name not on that list was Izzy Adonaje. Now, I don't see Izzy not making the team. That's just maybe that's a sentimental thing on my part. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, I think that we'd probably do away with a disappointing rookie than you know, in like Cornelius Washington, who in the year or two that he's been on the team hasn't really played at all. You know, he's there. I think he's only been active for maybe three or four games his entire. Uh, entire campaign with the bears so far Um, you know probably look to for izzy to make the team and be a player because the 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 depth chart that i saw posted uh online has izzy as a second team player so second team players make the team they don't get cut so i would probably i would put izzy in there and probably instead of a, a cornelius washington uh, linebackers, Lance Briggs, Shay McClellan, John Bostic, DJ Williams, Kasim Green, and Christian Jones, the undrafted rookie free agent. Cornerbacks, no surprises here. Uh, Charles Tillman, Tim Jennings, Kyle Fuller, our first-round pick, Isaiah Fry, and then Kelvin Hayden. Hopefully, he can stay healthy to make the team. Safeties, Ryan Mundy, Brock Vereen were listed as one and two. So that's whoever this person was saying who our starters are going to be with Chris Connie and Craig Steltz backing them up. And that is not an impressive safety core, in my opinion. So I I don't know much about Brock Vereen, but um, you know those those names aren't exactly blowing up my skirt. So I'm hoping that there's uh, something we can do there. Maybe you know somebody from a uh, somebody gets cut, or you know maybe we make a trade at some point to uh, see about uh, shoring that up because we did not address the safety position like we should have. That is the the one knock that I would have on Phil Emery at this point. And then of course the specialist Robbie Gold, the kicker Pat O'Donnell, the punter, and then as it stands right now, um, Patrick Manley hasn't made the decision to come back or not. He'll be 39 this year. He's coming off of hip surgery. He's been with us for 16, 17 years. Every game that he plays, he's setting a new record for you know longest tenured uh, bear. Uh, he and basically if he wants to come back, the spot is his. If not, the uh Brandon Hartson uh seems to be the front runner to get the long snapping job so that's kind of like a tentative this is who you can expect to see uh wearing the blue and orange on September uh you know sup- September um 7th yes September 7th when the bears kick off the year against the Buffalo Bills uh at Soldier Field week 1 so <sighs> so there you have it. Uh, let's, let's see, sixty-five minutes of me blowing hot air at you, folks. Uh, f- you know, one of those things that just in the off season for me, especially. Uh, you know, I have such this this such long period most of the time between shows that once I get started, I have a long, <laughs> I have a trouble, I have trouble wrapping it up. So, um, you know, this is me trying to shut up now. So and wrap this thing up. Let you guys uh, get on with your lives uh now uh promising to return in a couple of weeks once those uh nfl preview magazine starts coming out which uh should be usually it's like around memorial day and such which is this coming weekend um usually around that time of year that the draft magazines come out give me a little time to uh, do some homework and bone up on our uh, opponents so that i can talk about them and we'll start cranking out those 2014 nfl preview uh episodes for uh who the bears are taking the field against uh this year so um that will do it for the 2014 draft review episode of the chicago bears review Uh, be sure to hit me up on twitter at shy bears review on twitter or on the uh, facebook page join our facebook group chicago bears review just search chicago bears review on facebook and you'll find us uh no problem so um That'll do it for us, folks. Uh, so until, uh, say, early to mid-June, whenever those draft mags come out, uh, this has been uh, Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. We'll see you all next time. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane.